Hi, I'm Wendy Francis, nutrition therapist, emotional eating expert, and entrepreneur. I've helped countless people overcome their obsession with food and weight. Isn't it time you overcame what you had become and ignite who you were meant to be? Your time to become an overcomer starts now. Hi, everyone. It's Wendy. Thank you so much for joining me today for another edition of Overcoming Your Emotional Eating. On today's call, I'm live on a pre-recorded line, so please don't listen for quality necessarily, but listen for content. There are psychological effects to grazing through the day. Some people don't believe that. The truth is, when we don't stop thinking about food during our waking hours, it's not essentially good for us. How do you live life and be present in the moment with those you love and the things you care about when you're consistently thinking about what you're going to eat next or what you just ate or what you shouldn't have eaten or what you want to eat or what's the next recipe? There are psychological effects to grazing through the day. And it's important to take note of that so you can see if you've fallen to the pitfall of the grazer. Take a look also at my website, www.wendyfrancis.com. I would love to get your feedback. I am moving into some exponential growth patterns this year, and I'm moving the Overcoming platform. I'm looking for sponsors to help move this platform in a continued fashion by allowing me to get out there and speak, develop groups, and move more into the public eye. We can move the overcoming movement and help more people just like yourself. I also, however, have developed a place on the website now that you can book an appointment directly with me so that I can help you overcome what you had become. You'll also hear some new testimonials on there so that you can see a little bit more about what it's like to do things with me, as well as taking a look at my courses and my books that I offer. And I'm continuing to develop some new things over the course of the next few months. So please keep checking back and give me your feedback. I'm here to help and I want to make this movement go forward to help as many people overcome. Thanks so much for listening. I have a question, and it's going back to the comment about grazing. Could you yeah. explain, you mentioned that there were psychological, I believe, mm-hmm. psychological and physiological issues mm-hmm. with grazing. Mm-hmm. If you could address that, please, that would be great. I, I'm a great grazer. Excellent. So, yeah. psychologically, Grazers have a difficult time disconnecting from food because there's always a thought of what I just ate or what I'm about to eat. There's never the break of nothingness, so to speak, where I'm not thinking or connecting with food on some level. Grazers have a perpetual connection with food. I'm eating and I'm going to eat again. And then what do I eat next? And then what do I eat from there? So the amount of bandwidth that the mind has in connection with food throughout the day is way more intense than if you have a couple-hour period between when you eat and the next meal. 
so that's one piece. Okay. It, it decreases compulsion and obsession around food. For a grazer, and I've worked with athletes, high-intensity level athletes, who had to eat 10, 12, 15,000 calories a day, they don't have a choice but to graze, but they have no emotional connection to food, and it's totally for fuel. It's a radically different mindset. If you have that mindset, then grazing could be different psychologically. But I've only encountered those rare individuals that just there is like zero. It is black and white with food. I eat only for fuel, purely to get down the hill, you know, and that's all I do. Like I said, like a rarer instance. I've worked with bodybuilders mm -hmm. like that. And then I've also worked with bodybuilders who have had terrible obsession and compulsion with food. I mean, diagnosable. I know the sports nutritionists that work with Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong used to have to eat 15,000 calories on a non-training day. Did he graze? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, because it's the only way you can get that many calories in, but the man didn't think about food except what's going to get me to that peak quicker, stronger, faster. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't have that in my living room, you know? <laughs> like, I'm not thinking about what's going to, you know, at work or whatever. It's like, I'm not, I'm not trying to get to the peak of a mountain in France. So that's the psychological piece. We also know that physiologically, when the body does get some break from eating, it's what allows the body, one, to digest and absorb our nutrients. And the reality of the nice blend of insulin, you know, kind of pumping, getting our blood sugar rising, pumping out a little bit of insulin, allowing that to relax, digest, and absorb, right? And then having some time without having to work. Mm, wow. Okay. There's many premises around the, this new intermittent fasting, and I want to say it's new, but it's not, but many people are hearing about it. But intermittent fasting is, is based on kind of that core principle of, of letting the body rest for a longer period of time. It's only good for certain people and certain components, but that's kind of the premise. But when you eat, you know, and you have a few hours in between your meals or your meals and your snacks, it allows the body and the brain to rest, focus, and be present around multiple other things in your life, not having to focus on food. Does that help? It does. And I think I might be in a perpetual circle because I think I'm eating because of the emotion. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I'm just, but I put it on, I blame it on my office setting. Now that I'm home, I can't blame it on my office setting because I'm still grazing at home and I have food here. But I also realize that one of the emotions I spend and I spend it on food because I'm always thinking about food and how it's going to make me feel because I do have a sensitive stomach or something probably from all the emotions and nerves, stress or whatever. And so it's this, I'm in a cycle and I need to figure out where I'm going to stop something so that everything else can probably be fixed. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a habit, right? So there's a number mm -hmm. of things that's interplay, right? When we just talk about just behavior, just habits, there's a habit to grazing, 
right? This is kind of like what I do. And there's mm-hmm. an emotional piece to grazing. And so I tell people, first and foremost, breaking a habit is a little bit easier than diving into the emotional component of things. So okay. you can start there. And what that would mean is you say in your mind, okay, I'm just going to do an experiment for seven days. Take three hours or four hours or whatever it is in between my meals. And I'm not going to eat in between. And I'm going to see how that feels. So that you can get a sense, and just for seven days, get a sense of what having a time period without food is like. Then, if the emotions kick up during those four hours, well, that's where you start to think about that component. If you're just finding yourself like wanting to go back in the pantry or going by the pantry and grabbing a handful of chips, that's a behavior piece. But if it's more, I'm afraid my stomach's going to feel this way or I'm afraid I'm going to feel that way, and that's what drives you into the pantry, that's the difference between the emotional connection and the behavior Mm. modification. So just by experimenting for one week, you can start to figure out what's the emotional connection, and what's the behavioral component so that you can get a sense. So does that help, though, caller? It did. It really did. And, um, yeah, so I'm going to do that for seven days and see what's going on. And I bet it's just a matter of my paying attention to the clock and just eating at a certain hour and being done. But I am constantly thinking about food. And I think it drives my husband nuts because he's not like that. Mm. So I'm always asking him, what do you want for lunch? What do you want for dinner? What do you want for right. tomorrow? Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, yep. so I tell people when you're, when you're doing this experiment, right, 15 minutes before you're going to eat is when you're allowed to start thinking about the next meal. Mm. Barring it doesn't need a whole lot of prep, right, depending on the meal, Right. Right. But you want to put a time frame around it. If not, your mind, you'll be surprised how much your mind may wander. Oh, what are we going to eat next meal? What are we going to eat at the snack? What are we going to have tonight? Oh, what are we going to eat tomorrow? We use food for so many different purposes that are not always fuel-oriented, right? So when we think about how present can you be in the moment and connected with yourself or with another individual when we're thinking about food, It's hard. Wow. And so that's where setting those boundaries around time frames of eating can be helpful to notice how often your brain, I mean, I've I've worked with clients who have thought about food 100% of their waking hours. And so then we're trying to figure out why. So giving yourself those parameters of, okay, I can start thinking about the next meal 15 minutes before, 20 minutes before. Maybe dinner, I'll give you half an hour if you've got prep time in there. Mm-hmm. And then once you're done, you're done until the next meal or snack time starts. And it doesn't mean that it's going to solve it. What it means is then you have a time. So let's say, okay, you get done with breakfast at 8.30. You go, okay, the next time I can think about food or talk about food, is 11.30. Okay, so you set that on your timer, 11.30 Uh on the calendar, time I can start to think about food. Then you notice. 
every time you think about food, what you're going to eat, et cetera, put a little check mark on a piece of paper. Okay. Watch how many check marks you get. And then you can watch, do I think more about it in the morning, the afternoon, the evening? You'll know that by the amount of check marks you have there. Oh, wow. Okay. That'd be a lot of check marks. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what you begin to notice, right? It's how many check marks, without shame, judgment, guilt, blame, how many check marks are there? Where are most of my check marks? You know, what time of day? And then what else is going on at that time of day? Oh, at that time mm-hmm. of day, I'm trying to work on my computer, and I hate what I do for work. Mm-hmm. Or at that time of day, you know, I'm taking care of this thing or that thing, and I don't want to think about that thing. Yeah. So you can start to see where your mind goes to, and that might be a default pattern for you. My goodness. Thank you. That is huge. You are welcome, welcome. Thank you. So you've got some work to do. Anybody who's a grazer, it's a great exercise to learn more about yourself. Because those are patterns that get people into a place where their body is unhealthy. And if you can change that, it will forever change the pattern for you. That's great. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend, rate, review, and subscribe. You never know who you'll help become the next overcomer.